This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. So let's start with where you were born and raised. You were from Dallas, Texas. What was life growing up in Dallas, Dallas, Texas back in the 50s? Well, it was, you know, Texas's version of a big city. You know, it was a time of strife because uh, my father was a civil rights attorney in Texas, and that wasn't a very popular occupation in those days back in Texas. So that was a little difficult. But I, I love Texas, and I loved growing up there. I had such a great time. My family's been in Texas for 180 years or something like that. So we go way back to the founding of Texas. So I can't say anything bad about my state, but it was, uh, it was nothing like the world is today, let me tell you. Growing up in, in Texas, where did you get your interest in, in acting? Actually, it's a pretty simple story because my father was, a tri- as I said, a civil rights attorney and also a, a very good trial attorney, a great litigator. And my goal through my life was to uh, work with him in the courtroom. And when I got to college and all the other pre-law guys were taking government and business classes, I'd already been a trial assistant in courtrooms. And I decided that courtroom presence was more important than having any business sense. Now, of course, I wish I'd had all the business classes. So I decided to study theater to help with being a trial lawyer. And it just one thing led to another, and I kept getting offered scholarships and fellowships to better schools, and finally the fellowship to Cornell. Texas boys don't turn down the Ivy League. So I took that, and then I was fortunate enough to have a, uh, a fellow student from the University of Texas. By the time I got my master's, had become an agent in New York City, and she asked to represent me for the summer before law school and uh, I started getting work man I'm not I wasn't going to go to law school once I became an actor forget that no I mean it worked out well for you I I, uh, I personally love John Reba oh. let's start off with you became popular playing the role of Alexander Sandy Corey on the daytime drama Another World from 81 to 85 now I, I'm going to tell you to be honest it's before my time because I'm a 91 kid but how did you land that role well you know just doing the audition circuits and I was also producing off-Broadway plays in New York City, and I needed money. I had no desire to become a soap actor, but the checks attached to that were pretty <laughs> pretty strong. I took the job, and those characters take on a life of their own with the public, and uh, it was it was just crazy. That character got to be so popular, I couldn't go. There weren't a lot of places I could go in the middle of the heartland without causing quite a stir. It just took off. It got crazy. It's interesting because, I, you know what, it, I, I have to believe we believe what you're saying with that one because my mom watches, like, Days of Our Lives Now and The Young and the Restless, and, like, I don't even watch it, but I want to talk to my mom or I, I have to sit down and, and watch it with her, and I know about the characters, and I'm not even invested in it, so that goes to, yeah. that goes to show you. Like, if someone said to me on the street, if or I overheard two females talking about uh, The Young and the Restless, I'd say, like, can't believe that character did that. And then at the same time, like, why do you care? You're not, you're not invested in that. Um, oh, you know, it's so funny, uh, Brian. They used to send me recordings of the show and say, listen, this is what your brother or your wife is doing behind your back. Yeah. You listen to the face. I mean, they think it's so real. 
Yeah, and like you know what? That's that's fair because in, in their in their mind, that's their reality. I I grew up watching wrestling as a fan, and like you know, uh, another former Texan, Stone Cold Steve Austin, was my favorite wrestler. And you know, watching him get portrayed week after week as an eight year old or like kicking someone's ass, I'd be like, "Why is he doing that?" But I'm like, "Oh, right, it's scripted." <laughs> right. Now, in 1990, you played the role of a popular cartoon character, uh, Archie Andrews, in the TV film Archie, to Riverdale and back again. Why made you choose that character? No, they had to talk me into doing that <laughs> one. I, I'd just done a series called The Charmings, and I'd played Prince Charmings. I wasn't, you know, really interested in building a career playing comic book or fairy tale characters. Okay. But uh, but they talked me into it, and the director, Dick Lowry, was a great director. I wanted to work with him, and we became lifelong friends because of that job and worked together on things like Gambler and In the Line of Duty movies of the week. So I had a great time. It was a great decision. I hated having my hair on. <laughs> In 2001, of course, now you joined the cast of Reba playing Brock Hart, the ex-husband of Reba's character. You played that character so well. I really liked how you were able to bring so many emotions into it because you know as an ex-husband of the character Reba you're kind of thinking like oh this guy's supposed to be a snake we're not supposed to like him but there were parts of the show that I was looking and saying like he's he's killing it he's doing a great job did you enjoy playing Brock Hart very 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 much it's one of my favorite experiences in my life actually and I'm still extremely close with uh with those cast members they they really are a family, but I love playing it. You know, I felt like my job, the guy was originally written as kind of a villain. You're right, like a snake. I thought, you know, this happens, and I have been divorced. You know, this happens in families, and uh, that guy deserves his own voice, too, not just being a jerk, you know. <laughs> stuff happens i mean you played it so well like i i look at that cast and like in every episode there's someone that really gives a good punchline or you know the story's really developed but i'm looking at it i think the other day when i was looking at it on cmt it was the one where reba's in hospital because of high blood pressure and right. uh, and melissa's character kind of comes out barbara jean kind of comes over and uh takes the tape recorder from you and just kind of yells in the camera if anything happens to her I'm coming at you and like your reaction to it all. And like one minute you're very sympathetic towards it. Next minute you're going after uh, Cheyenne and Van and you're very demanding. And I'm like, man, he can turn it on on a dime. So I thought it was really good. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. You mentioned that you guys are all still friends. Uh, I've seen the recent post from Reba where you all were hanging out. Uh, We've had Steve Howie actually on the podcast and he mentioned that he thought it was a laugh to, to deal with you guys. What was it like behind the scenes at Reba? Was it all pretty much fun? Oh, yes. You know, people always ask me, um, is, what's Reba like in real life? And I said, you know, everything that you see on screen or in the press about her and you think nobody's that sweet, guess what? She's actually sweeter than that. And Melissa Peterman is just absolute. I know she seems like such a whack job, but she is so <laughs> magnificent. They play well off each other, but that's the one thing that Steve Harry mentioned as well, because even when I'm looking at the bloopers, I think there's one blooper that, uh, you know, he comes down off the, st- uh, he's coming down the rail on the stairs and he almost falls. And like, you just basically pick him back up and show him back up the stairs as if to go like, all right, keep going. But I'm looking and saying like, it, it doesn't seem like in that cast, even when something doesn't go right, that anyone gets mad. Cause sometimes when I'm looking at a Seinfeld, uh, blooper or friends, you can kind of see that a few of them look a little bit pissed of like, why aren't you getting through this line? But when it comes to you guys, I mean, it seems like you all laugh at each other's mistakes. One of the ones that I think of that comes to mind is Reba couldn't say chewing ice because of her accent. So like, you know, everyone's laughing in the background when I, I, 
uh, Cheyenne's character couldn't say ethic, and you kept on looking at her as if to go like, "Come on, let's pronounce this together." And I was thinking like, "Oh, they're all, they all get along." Yeah. Oh no, it was a great place to work, and we had so much fun. Everyone kind of has their favorite episode or favorite moment of a of a TV series. What are some of the favorite things that you look back on on Reba? Like, is there a favorite episode or a favorite line that you you liked about the show? Well, my favorite episode is Hurricane Katrina episode, I think probably because I got to direct that one, and I thought it had a great message about families pulling together for other families. But my favorite line of the show of all times is, why? Why? Because shut up. That's why. <laughs> oh, yes. I remember Reba's line for that one. It, it's it's funny because it's like, you know, if you had her uh, cornered in an argument, she'd say, you, you'd she'd say, why? It's like, shut up. That's yeah. why. But uh, yeah, exactly. I it, use it in my own parenting. <laughs> no, I mean, why wouldn't you? You know, as as kids, when you look up to your parents and uh, you they don't really have an answer, you basically say, "I'm the parent." That's why. Um, right. There's there's a few episodes in there that I I, I kind of laughed at because um, Brock has kidney stones in an episode. Uh, I also have kidney stones. So there was one episode that you were like lying on the couch, and uh, I think Jake comes over and you said it's like passing glass through your. Uh, <laughs> and then she, yeah. she tells you to shut up and I was just uh, like I was like man as a kid watching that I was like oh that's not what I want to hear but at least he's being honest about it well uh, I think that's one of the things I'm most proud of in the show is that we tried to deal with real things in a family way you know that it's like I mean you've got a teenage daughter getting pregnant you've got a uh, your separated parents father's girlfriend getting pregnant you've got you know I think we catch one of them smoking pot at one point and there are all sorts of issues that we try and deal with, but mostly it's a show about a fractured family. You know, the show's been off for a while now, but, you know, when you when you guys are as close as you are, when Reba's posting, I think a few weeks ago she posted a kind of a mini reunion with you and Melissa. Um, are there ever talks to kind of revamp the show? Well, we've talked about it. We're just having a difficult time getting uh, Fox to let us do it. Uh, no, I think that we would all love to redo the show under the right circumstances. What I would really love to see is like what they used to do in the old days when they would have reunion movies of the week. Like, I think we should do a Reba Cruise. Explain that a little bit more. What would that entail? Well, that would really just entail putting together a script that the network finds acceptable and then getting everybody's schedule synced up so that we could go shoot for six weeks and make a, you know, make a movie of the week. Did anyone have to persuade you to play that character, or did you just dive in, or like, did you have to make adjustments to to your style of acting to that character? No, I'd been, you know, I'd done uh, Murphy Brown, and I'd done a lot actually of half hour comedies, so there were no real adjustments for me. No, I wanted to play him. I mean, he's a Texan. It's the first time I really got to play a Texan outside of playing like a and doing it in a western. I really wanted to play the guy, and also I played golf. I mean, I wasn't a dentist, but uh, a lot of the I've been divorced, and a lot of the other similarities were just right at my fingertips. So I felt an affinity for the guy, and I just thought the script was terrific and had a chance to go a long way. It looks like I was right. And I believe there are some episodes, too. I kind of want to tie this into it as well with Texas, um, that I believe they get you to wear, and I don't know if you remember this or if, if it could be just my memory going, but they made you kind of have some University of Texas memorabilia even in the house or even I think one time you're walking into a scene and you had like a University of Texas sweater or something on so I thought that was pretty cool. Then we would wear Houston Texan paraphernalia because the Texans were big in Houston then. 
Ex- yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's kind of what I was tying into. Did you ever kind of get worn out of playing a character or feel like to shift in a different direction, or were you pl- or were you fine every day coming in and playing like the same kind of guy? No, I was very happy to come in and be Brock. I really enjoyed being him, and I loved being around those cast members. And of course, the same time I was doing Reba, I was getting to do stuff like Boston Legal. You know, I was getting to do stuff that I was aching to do. I mean, uh, David E. Kelly's writing on Boston Legal was just magnificent. And I was doing independent movies around town and stuff like that. And I was also teaching a a class to actors as a director, you know, uh, how to work with directors. So I, I was plenty busy. Plus, I had my two daughters. Ava and I had twins, and that was keeping me really, really busy. That's a that's an ass whipping. <laughs> twins. I, I yeah, I can imagine. So, and I, I believe you also have a an adopted daughter as well, right? I do. Yes, I have a daughter from my practice marriage. So yeah, you know, I've had a lot on my plate. <laughs> so was it hard to juggle all that while doing the show, or did you kind of make it work? No, we just made it work. I mean, Ava's a great, uh, she's a great mom and a great wife, great help. So uh, so I had her backing me up the whole time, which made it easier. No, I loved it. I, it was just a great life. I wish I was still doing the show. It's interesting because I, I read uh, actually earlier, I used to think it was only in, in uh, the United States because uh, I'm in Canada, but of course we get some of the U.S. networks. But apparently... Uh, you also were a guest star on uh, your wife's show over in uh, her country where they have like the, the house, I think it's like the housewives of... Um... Yeah, the Polish wives of Hollywood. Yes, there you go. Uh, yeah. What was that? Was that entertaining? Was that a different adjustment as well? Oh, that was a pain in the ass. I mean, <laughs> reality shows, they fake so much on it. And I just wasn't very cooperative in terms of faking it. I said, if you want to see how we live, then we're going to show you how we really live. Like, they were wanting us to rent to rent Bentleys and things like that. And I said, no, right now I'm driving a Ford Fusion and that's good enough. That's what we drive. The, the last question I want to ask here is when you got the, when you got the call for, for Reba and they told you that you were playing Brock Hart, did you think it was going to last as long as it did? Or did you think like, oh, this is only going to be two or three seasons, but I'll at least get my, my face back out there? No, actually I thought I was just going to do a pilot. <laughs> everybody said, everybody, including the network and the studio, they were saying, you know, this thing doesn't have a chance. So I thought I was going in just to take one big check. Okay. But after the first week of rehearsal with the guys, and by the time we uh, were shooting, I took them aside. I mean, Reva, if you ever talk to Reva, she'll tell you about this. I took them aside and said, listen, this is a great show and has tremendous potential. We need to honor this one because this nobody's talking about fractured families, and we have the chance to be the first to the gate on that. And let's do let's really honor what these people go through. I'll be honest. In the world of what I watch, I I grew up watching Friends, Full House, Family Matters, which focus on pretty much in the case of Full House and Family Matters, like families that are still intact, and at the end of every episode, things are solved. But when you're looking right. at when you're looking at Reba, you've got a, a father that's divorced from a wife, and then, you know, next minute he's living only a couple of houses down. Um, and then, you know, in the season finale, we find out that, okay, Barbara Jean and Reba, or Reba claims that, you know, they're close, they're, they're friends now kind of thing. But I just thought, like, they do it so well because there are families out there that are, are like that. Not everything is perfect, and things come up. Like, I remember your character wanted Cheyenne to become a dentist, and she wanted to do something completely different. And, of course, everyone gets affected by that. So I was thinking, like, okay, they're taking real issues and they're turning it into a sitcom that can be funny, but you're also learning something about it as well. Yeah. 
I mean, that was always the sort of the thought behind it, I think, from the writers and producers was to the audience, the attitude of, hey, listen, you're not in this alone. It's a shared experience. I want to mention this just to kind of close it off here. Uh, were there any particular like actors or actresses in, in one of those scenes that you really liked? Because I think you, you worked well with Reba. You worked well with Melissa's character. But any time that you and Van came together or Steve Howey's character, it just seemed like it was instant magic. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, they'd set it up where there was a little bit of, uh, there was always going to be some tension between <laughs> Van and uh, Brock because... Uh, Van had gotten his daughter pregnant, and also uh, Brock was a coach on his high school team. And, uh, and you know, you got your son-in-law, and then Steve's character was always, you know, you're an old, stu- stupid old man, and so uh, Brock always took offense at that. And uh, so, no, there was a great natural tension there, and Steve is a funny son of a, you know, basically I just had to stand back and do his, split him do his stuff and then react off of it. That made it pretty easy for me, you know. Yeah, no, we we had Steve on, and Steve was saying uh, like how much fun it was to work with all uh, all of you, and he said like you know uh, I think he kind of mentioned that he was a handful of actors that have been on two or two shows that have lasted a hundred episodes, and I was thinking like there's a reason that you're doing well because it's you know when you work well off each other and when shows do well like that, then of course you're going to find success. Well, and the audience can feel it. You know, the audience can really sense it. You can't, you can't fake everything. You have to genuinely be loving what you're doing or they will notice. That is true. And I, I can tell with the live or, uh, yes, with the studio audience that uh, they, they enjoyed it, even with bloopers, I remember. I think there was one that Reba says, all right, I want you all to laugh really loud at my line. And I was thinking, like, she's not acting there. That's just how she is. Like, she, she's playing a character, but it just seems like that is who she is kind of thing, like very laid back, very engaged with people. She was so much fun to work with, you know, the one, although I, I mean, they all were, and Melissa's a genius, and Steve is brilliant at what he does, and Reba's become a phenomenal, just straight-up actress. I mean, she can do anything now. But uh, for me, the real pleasure watching was Joanna Garcia's growth. She is such a superb comedian now. Just the way she would say van, or the <laughs> word idiot. Oh, it's yes. Like, it's like just brilliant. I just... I. Because I, I got to direct her frequently. I really enjoyed it. But, you know, I mean, I have to say, uh, you know, obviously my girls are Reva and Melissa. I did most of my work with. It was just such a solid ground to go to work with those ladies. They are just phenomenal actors. You mentioned that you liked working with uh, Reba and Melissa. And I know that you mentioned throughout the interview, like, you know, their their wit and humor. But, you know, b- behind the scenes, when the show is over, do you guys still get together every now and again and, like, you know, bring up this stuff? Oh, my God, yes. I mean, you know, we, uh, there are dinners and, uh, you know, we rally to each other's side when there's a need. When I, when I got sick, Melissa was in my hospital room almost immediately. She, uh, she's just, like, so phenomenal. And uh, Reba has uh, gone out of her way to encourage me through my recovery. That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Christopher Rich for coming on to the show. Remember... You can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying, thanks for listening, and good night. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. 
Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.